if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and it's a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock as we get rolling on this Thursday, the 22nd morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. We were guest light yesterday. We are guest heavy today, and I will tell you about that guest list after we begin our session with our Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our nation is still a great nation. Our nation is not a racist nation. Our nation is not a bigoted nation. Our nation is a nation of equality, not equity. Our nation is a nation of opportunity, and it will forever remain so as long as, long as we continue to fight for it. And that is why, again, we will continue to say our pledge at the start of every show. Coming up. We are loaded, and I mean loaded. Daniel Horowitz has been a little bit of while, it's been a little while, rather, uh, since Daniel has been on the air with us. Uh, he has like nine different media obligations every day. It's crazy how he does it. I don't know. But Daniel Horowitz, who is senior editor at Conservative Review, wrote a column yesterday that just really, really grabbed me. And he, I don't know how he cranks out three, four columns a day sometimes, but he does. But it really, really grabbed me in part for, um, you know, it's, it's headline. Daniel Horowitz is saying maybe it's time to abolish the police. But it has absolutely nothing to do with what you think that means. AOC, BLM, Antifa, they're calling for an abolition of police and have been for some time now. Daniel Horowitz is finally caving in and saying maybe that's the right idea, but for a very, very different reason. I will let him explain when he comes on at 9.35. It's, it's very important that you listen, seriously, because your, your safety is in serious, serious jeopardy right now. At least it is in serious question. We'll put it that way. Your safety and that of your family is in serious question, and police uh, may only make things worse. Wait till you hear how Daniel explains that before you judge him. All right. Then at ten ten today, our regular Thursday visit with Doctor visit with Doctor Everett Piper. Very much looking forward to that. He's going to comment on the story that I did at the end of the show yesterday, uh, 
He was also on Fox and Friends yesterday morning talking about the story of the Grace Church High School in Manhattan in which the headmaster or the head of school was caught on tape by a whistleblower admitting that, yes, the the, uh, curricula that they choose to force down the throats of students at that school is indeed demonizing of white people for simply being born white. It does indeed make white people feel less than for things that have no uh, bear or that uh, they have had no bearing uh, on whatsoever, things for which they are not responsible. And yet he continues publicly to say this is the right kind of lesson. So um, we're going to talk to Dr. Piper about that and more. And then coming up at uh, 1035, a national security briefing from our old friend Jim Simpson uh, from uh, Red Green Axis Exposed and Leo Holman, who will be joining him to talk about their web- webinar that is coming up this coming Sunday evening. So uh, we've got Horwitz at 935, Piper at 1010, Simpson and Holman at 1035, and we are loaded up. Today's top story should be obvious, another police-involved shooting, this one in the state of Ohio. And I'm going to, before I give you any of the audio and before I give you any of the commentary, I'm going to offer this commentary. We have officially crossed the Rubicon when we cannot, we cannot praise a police officer for saving a life without condemning him for taking a life. This is one of those this is one of those moments in time where you just have to stop and truly soak it in and appreciate it not because you appreciate it in that sense of the word but I mean truly deeply understand it. I know that when there are controversial police shootings it's going to bring out the protesters automatically because they will take the controversy and they will use it to their advantage. If there is a question as to whether or not a suspect was armed, they will scream, unarmed, 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 and hands up, don't shoot. If there's even a question, if there's a question as to whether or not the police officer used good judgment in a case uh, involving just defense of himself or the suspect, the protesters and the professional rioters will take to the streets, of course, arguing that point of view. When you have, however, irrefutable body camera footage released merely hours after the actual incident, which is unprecedented by Columbus police, and the body cameras, uh, camera shows a violent attempted murder in progress with a, with a deadly weapon, it showed... A 16-year-old girl swinging a knife wildly at one potential victim who fell to the ground, then turning and marching toward a second potential victim, pulling her arm back with this knife clearly in it, about to stab a girl, Lord knows where, and Lord knows how seriously, dangerously, or lethally, and the police officer heroically responds, saving the victim's life by shooting the armed assailant. And they take to the streets anyway? They claim the officer still did the wrong thing? When there's videotaped evidence released literally just hours after the the incident, there was an attempted murder in progress. And a police officer saved that life. 
And one could argue if he had not been there, there would have been two lives taken. She went after two different girls with, with knives or with her knife. And rather than the headline being, heroic officer saves two black lives, that mattered. The headline is, Columbus officer shoots and kills 16-year-old black girl. The rest is all details. Benjamin Crump, Al Sharpton, the rest of the traditional and usual racial arsonists all over it, including... Akron's own LeBron James. There are a lot of elements to the story. I want to give them all to you as much as I can. We remain committed to ensuring accountability in all violent interactions between police and our neighbors. The BCI investigation is the first step in unraveling what led to the tragic death of yet another child in our community i have to pause that part of the reactions from columbus mayor andrew ginther who is about as completely useless as well cleveland mayor frank jackson just to give you an example a comparative of yet another child by police as if again mayor ginther the police officer didn't save a life he just took a life How about he saved an innocent life from a clearly intended-to-be-guilty life? The drama with which he spoke at that press conference yesterday, again, impugning the police officer as a criminal rather than praising him as a hero who saved an innocent person. If an officer has violated policy or the law, if they have, they will be held accountable. When officers are faced with someone employing deadly force, deadly force can be the response the officer gives. The killing of 16-year-old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. She was a child. We're thinking of her friends and family and the communities that are hurting and grieving her loss. I have to stop that flamingly ridiculous brat that Joe Biden sends up to the podium every day. She said she stood there and said, our thoughts are with Micaiah's friends and family at this very terrible time. I wonder, would you have said a word, Madam Circleback, if that police officer had frozen in the moment and watched that raging, angry 16-year-old swinging her knife directly at the victim? If the officer had frozen and the murder had happened, would you have been speaking about the victim that had been killed by Michaela? Would you? The answer is no. How do we know that? Because an almost identical situation just took place over the weekend, and Joe Biden, also in Ohio, by the way, Joe Biden, Madam Circleback, None of them said a word about it. Headline, Cincinnati girl, 13, accused of killing another 13-year-old girl. A 13-year-old girl accused of killing 13, another 13-year-old girl. They don't give names, of course, because uh, of the um, 
the fact that they're minors, appeared in court for the first time Wednesday. Well, I take that back. They named the, the kids. How about that? I should have been aware of that. My apologies. For the first time, appeared in court for the first time yesterday. Officials say Janiah Pate fatally stabbed Nayara, Nayara Givens with a pocket knife on Monday. Police responded to the scene. Responding officers found Givens suffering a stab wound to the right side of her neck. Fire personnel responded, rushed Givens to a Cincinnati Children's Medical Hospital where she later died. A girl stabbed another girl to death. One black girl stabbed another black girl to death. Not one word, not a word from Black Lives Matter. Not one word, not a syllable, not a breath, not an utterance. Not so much as a, as a, as a sigh from Benjamin Crump and Al Sharpton and Ibram Kendi and the rest of these racial arsonists. Not a, not a word from Joe Biden. Not a word from Jen Psaki. So the identical situation is about to play out in Columbus. A 16-year-old stabbing another teenager. Police officer does show up on time. While the war, while the, 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 the brutal attack is going on, and as the knife is pulled back in her arm, or her arm is pulled back rather with the knife in her hand, the officer shoots and saves the would-be victim. And the only thing that Joe Biden and Jen Psaki and Kamala Harris and LeBron James and the others can talk about is that the police killed a black girl? We have crossed the Rubicon. We are never coming back from this. We can never come back from this. Not when one of the most popular athletes and celebrities in the world responds to this story of two black lives being saved by a heroic cop, tweets a threat at that cop that says, you're next. That's exactly what LeBron James did. LeBron James tweeted a picture of the police officer with the words, You're next, before shortly thereafter deleting it. I mean, we have parallel stories. Two black girls in Cincinnati. One stabs the other to death. Not a word about the victim. In Columbus, one tries to stab the other one to death but is shot herself by a police officer. And instead of, thank you, heroic police officer, for stopping a murder from taking place, it's blaming the police officer for shooting the aggressor. We're in such a dangerous place. This is precisely why Daniel Horowitz will join us at 935 to describe why he believes we should just go ahead and do it. Abolish police officers. Give them what they want. Abolish policing in America. You'll hear from Daniel about that. I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. The National Fraternal Order of Police tweeted in response to LeBron James' disgusting, reckless threat against a police officer, showing a picture of the officer who shot in that Columbus incident and saved two lives. 
tweeted the picture and said, you're next. The national FOP responded saying, quote, at King James, with his vast resources and influence, should educate himself and, frankly, has a responsibility to do so on the facts before weighing in. This is disgraceful and extremely reckless. The officer saved a young girl's life. No amount of gaslighting will change that fact. But it's not stopping the idiots. And I have no respect for them down in Columbus. None. The idiots, imbeciles, ignoramuses, morons, who are protesting the saving of two black lives. Makia Bryant tried to stab two girls to death. The first one fell down and was fortunately spared the blade because she then turned and marched to the second one, pulled her arm back, attempted to stab her, and was shot in the, in the, in the process. And they're protesting the cop who saved the lives. We are a very, very, very ignorant population. We're, we're not smart as people. Overall, generally speaking, some of us are, and I'm not talking about educated. You can go to Oberlin College and be educated to be a subservient, uh, uh, indoctrinated moron. That doesn't make you smart. I'm talking about there are many people who are smart enough and sensible enough and reasonable enough to see things for what they are, and then there are those who are so stupid and blinded by a narrative, a false narrative, never, ever proven, that are out there ready to burn things again. In, in, in this case, after a black life was saved from being taken. They're just stupid. Overall, generally, as a population, 330 million Americans are stupid. Thankfully, there's a handful of million who actually understand what's going on, and we can try our level best to keep everything else under control and in some sort of reasonable sense of, 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 of normality. But the bottom line is when you have hundreds or thousands of people ranting and raving and, and, and protesting and ready to riot over a police officer saving someone's life, then you're just too stupid for living. I swear to you, these people walk around with ink on the back of their hand. On their, on, the, on their left hand, they have breathe in. Then they look at their right hand and it says breathe out. It's the only way they don't suffocate. They have to remind themselves to inhale and exhale. You have to be a mental midget. You have to be absolutely functionally illiterate. Functionally. You cannot function in life to actually go down there and protest when a police officer saves a life, when he stops a murder in progress. There's just no other way to say it. And the fact that they are being supported in saying it by media members all over this country, on TV and in newspapers, proves that we are a nation of blithering idiots. Daniel Horowitz will join me after the news. Can't get on the air with Bob? Leave a message. 216-525-1806. 
Okay, 9.35. We continue now on AM 1420, The Answer. I teased you with this at the top of the show when I gave you our guest list, and now it's time to, uh, uh, to uh, come clean on where we are. Daniel Horowitz says he now favors abolishing the police. He is now supportive of a move that has been proposed by the squad, or squids, if you will, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, uh, by Black Lives Matter, by Ibram uh, X. Kendi, uh, by Ben Crump, and by so many others. Get rid of the police altogether. Now, you might think Daniel Horowitz has lost his mind. He hasn't. He is watching what I just described as crossing the Rubicon, just as you are and I am, and said we're in a very dangerous place. And in the future, police may be used in the really only in a, in a negative way um, because of what we have done to policing in America and what we have done to uh, criminal justice in America. I'll let Daniel explain what he's talking about. Daniel Horwood, Senior Editor of Conservative Review, back with us on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Daniel. Hey, great to be with you. Look, look what happens to me after we uh, don't speak for so long. <laughs> you go get radicalized on us. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I read the, I read the, the headline like everybody else. And a great job by whoever writes your headlines for you, uh, because they grabbed me. They really did. Why I'm now in favor of abolishing the police? I said, what in the world? And of course, you make perfect sense. And I'll, I'll let everybody else explain that. We have, we have mob rule. In fact, Daniel. Before you get into this, to the nuts and bolts of why you say what you're saying here, we used to have a jury by, uh, uh, a trial rather, by a jury of our peers. And, and what we saw in the Chauvin trial, and I have no love for Derek Chauvin whatsoever, by the way, and I don't have any sympathy for him either. But I do have a sim- sympathy for the criminal justice system and the trial system in this country, which I think is in very serious jeopardy here. Rather than a trial by jury of our peers, we had a trial by riot. Um, there was literally a threat to riot, one that was voiced by Maxine Waters, but of course has been threatened and, in fact, was being carried out for a number of days uh, in the Chauvin trial because of the shooting uh, of Dante Wright as well. Uh, I, I don't think there was any way, shape, or form anybody could call that a fair trial, regardless of what you think the evidence shows. Trial by riot is a very dangerous thing in this country, is it not? Well, actually, I thought the evidence was very flimsy, especially for second-degree murder. We basically flipped the standard of evidence, uh, uh, you know, reasonable beyond a doubt, the other way around. That it's, You know, there is a doubtful reason maybe he could have killed uh, Floyd, maybe that's what was the predominant factor in killing him. But the, the notion that it's the other way around, it really isn't true. But, but broadly speaking, you are correct. Um, we are a country of uh, political will, not of the rule of law. So wherever the political will is, as defined by the ruling class, that is what you get. Um, you know, vaccines and masks must be optional according to the emergency use authorization uh under the fda but it doesn't matter they decide this is what we're doing this is the right thing to do this is the result we are demanding and they get it this is true of everything in politics now not just criminal justice and the police and things like that so you're absolutely correct this is a very dangerous problem right now that we cannot get a fair shake and, and it's the same reason why you know, I, I've been pointing out that we live in a society where nobody gets held pre-trial anymore. I just actually wrote about an Ohio case of teens that a teenager that killed someone point blank, um, and he originally was able to commit that murder by being let out um, despite his violent past. 
and then he was let out again um, on very low bail, often without any bail, except if you're a January 6th protester uh, charged with nothing more than trespassing public property, you're held without the possibility of bail. You see what I mean? There's a two-tiered mm-hmm. justice system, and that really is the thesis behind my column, only halfway joking about abolishing the police, because we don't live with anarchy. We live with anarcho-tyranny, a perfect two-tier justice system that there is a gulf between the two that, that it, you could drive a truck between them. Um, we're basically North Korea for people like us, but Afghanistan for their people, if you know what I mean. And that's the bridge I'm, I'm trying to divide, uh, or, or, or that's the divide I'm trying to bridge. I am all for ordered liberty. I don't want anarchy. But if it's going to be a choice between just straight-up anarchy versus the police being used to enforce COVID fascism, to lock up Trump supporters, to um, and this is a growing problem that ties into what we're talking about, arresting people for defending themselves against the chosen politically protected classes that the left defines, then you know what? Screw it, and let's just abolish the police, and we'll rely on our guns and our own self-defense. Right now, it's self-defense for them, but not for us. Well, that and that, now we're leading into the part about you know why you would now favor semi tongue in cheek um, you know the abolition of police. We're talking to Daniel Horowitz, senior editor, conservative review. It is every man for himself now. It is self defense, except if you are a non, if you are a, a, you know a, a, let's just say a majority, a member of the majority. If you're a white person or non black or brown, and you have to defend yourself against somebody who is attacking you, who is black or brown, you are in trouble. You are going to have to prove the negative that you uh, were the one that uh, was, you know, was being attacked. You are not the one. In other words, you talked about the system. You talked about, uh, you know, we used to used to be proven. Uh, the, the the law says we are uh, um, assumed presumed innocent until proven guilty. It will be you are presumed guilty if you are a non person of color, and you have an interaction, whether you're a cop or not, with a person, and it becomes violent. Who is a person of color? You will be presumed guilty until innocent and the police then are going to come by and essentially do nothing but arrest you and then put you on you know put you uh, on trial for these crimes so policing which was supposed to be defensive of us will now be simply go around and pick up the pieces after the fact and then of course you know let the let the um uh you know the narrative i guess decide you know how these trials go and again it'll be trial by riot if you don't give us the result that we want the verdict we want we will riot we will burn we will do the same thing the kkk did you wrote that in your article they used to do when a black man was on trial they made it very clear to the jurors that if you don't give us the verdict we want uh there is going to be pain and there's going to be a lot of damage there's going to be a lot of destruction and that's where that's where we're headed that that that's where we're at already we've already incurred the liability of abolishing the police I'm just saying, let's actualize the benefits. Obviously, I don't want this, but my point is that, you know, you know this all came full circle with the um, Jonathan Pentland case in South Carolina. What people need to understand is this is not about a war on cops. It's about broadly a decivilization agenda, a war on ordered liberty, a war on safety and security, and really a war on whites. I mean, it really is. It's blatant. It, it is the reverse KKK is what's going on. It's extremely dangerous. It has nothing to do with the cops. 
the first case. That, that's what I was struggling to say, Daniel, and I didn't want to say it that way. That's why I said, you know, a, per, a person in the majority, yeah. and rather than I, I'm afraid to say it that way. But you just said know, it. there's a war true. on whites in America. There is. I mean, it's it's obvious if, if you're if you're black or you're, you're or especially in a case that that helps their political agenda because it's all about control, um, even more than race. So then, you know, it's impossible to convict the guy, even if he did a crime. And likewise, if you're a defendant, it's impossible to defend yourself if you're white. And, you know, the first high-profile case in this era was really Trayvon Martin and Zimmerman. That was a civilian case. And the Penland case, this is the guy where they said, oh, he arrested a black guy and uh, verbally assaulted him, maybe shoved him in South Carolina. It turns out this guy was arrested four days before for sexually assaulting a woman, stalking the neighborhood. The neighbors wanted this guy to, to, to take care of him, just, you know, block the guy. Um, there's a lot more to this story, but it doesn't matter. The guy's life is destroyed. He had to flee his home. Um, and that's because the police arrested him, and that's how his name got out. So my point is, if we're going to have criminals that are unnamed and they don't get punished, so we shouldn't get punished defending ourselves against them when inevitably they are receding and retreating as a result, and I understand it, as a result of them being in a no-win situation. But then the problem is somehow they find their moxie when it comes to going after uh, people defending themselves, especially if they're white, uh, arresting business owners for COVID fascism. Remember, these two-bit governors like Mike DeWine and mayors, they'd be a nothing without a police force. Now, ideally we need it, but we don't have it anyway. So especially when it comes to the big urban police departments, maybe as opposed to the rural sheriffs, I'm all for getting rid of them because we've already gotten rid of them. I mean, I live outside of Baltimore. The, the police, there's no purpose to having the police. Um, the, so basically, where I live, um, even if the police do their job, people are forgetting the other half of this issue, the criminal justice system. So it's not just the hands-off policing. It's that nobody goes to prison anymore, especially if they're black. That is a reality. They don't go to prison, which is why in your state, the five largest cities, now have record murder rates, okay, going from Toledo to Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, and record carjackings, because most of them are black youths that you can't touch them. It's become a protected class. You cannot touch them. Um, You know, there's a big problem we're now talking about juveniles. Oh, it's so sad that they have to be shot. Well, juvenile victims are being shot in record numbers in Philadelphia. There's a 43% increase. In juvenile shootings, 96% of those victims are black. And this is the reality. So not only does BLM prioritize blacks over whites and they're racist, they prioritize black criminals over black victims. Exactly. This is where we're at. And the criminal justice system is broken, and they say it's broken because it's too strong. So my point is, where I live... The only function police could serve is the following. Either I open a business and they arrest me for the COVID stuff, or I'm caught, you know, I get attacked by someone who happens to be black, and I'm in a lose-lose situation, and I have to pull out my gun and shoot the guy. Well, guess what? They're coming after me now. So you know well, what? Of course they I'd are. Like to take my chances. Well, well, D- Daniel, two things happened in the last uh, uh, four days here in, in Ohio. Um, on Monday, 
a 13-year-old black girl in Cincinnati stabbed another 13-year-old black girl in Cincinnati, slashed her right across the neck, killed her. Um, In Columbus, a 16-year-old black girl tried to stab one other teenage black girl who fell to the ground avoiding the blade, and then she turned around and went and tried to stab another teenage black girl, and this time a hero cop was on the scene, shot her in mid-attack, literally shot her and saved the the, the, the victim's life, or the would-be victim's life. I mean, literally an attempted murder in progress shot. And instead of hearing that story being told that way, it's, why did you have to shoot that black girl? This is a racist act. This cop's going to be investigated. LeBron James says, you're next, uh, you know, on Twitter. So, Daniel, again, there's this goes right to your point here. If police officers aren't going to be allowed to police, if they're going to are they going to be essentially deterred from going out there and providing protection for people, all they are going to do is come around and pick up the pieces and, as you said, arrest non-black people for their confrontations with black people, then what's the point of having them at all? And what's the point? And there's two, two points to be made. Number one, I'm looking at an article right now, and there's many examples of this in Minnesota where police arrested someone who was trying to get home, and, they, and the BLM blocked his street. So now, like, and, and, and there's a lot of videos circulating on the web now. You'll have uh, BLM is allowed to set up checkpoints, right? So it's like Fallujah and, and Baghdad. You can just have, like, the Shiite militias just set up their checkpoints, and they don't get arrested. Like, I mean, that's insane. That's utterly insane. No one even at the Capitol Hill protest did that and went after civilians like that. But if you go and try to take down their checkpoints, there's, there's videos of, of those people getting arrested. Or if, if you're caught like the Reginald Denny situation with these truckers um, that get surrounded where it's either you get lynched or you, you move on and you try to move on, you get arrested. A couple of states are passing laws to, to try to make sure they're protected, and, and that's something we need to deal with. But this is the problem with the police now. And I'm glad he brought up the Cincinnati case with the 13-year-old because the juxtaposition of those two things, the Cincinnati case and the Columbus case, perfectly exemplify this dichotomy I'm talking about, where they actually like the Cincinnati outcome. To them, that's the outcome, that the victim gets killed. They're happy with that. They have no problems with that. The problem is if the perpetrator winds up getting killed and the victim is saved, that's what they're outraged about. And this is why you get the results you do. Last year, um, I calculated the number of excess black homicide victims, not black homicide victims, the number of excess over the five-year average, and it was about, I want to say about 2,800 is what I came out with. It's still preliminary until the Uniform Crime Data comes down in August, but that is 113 times greater than the number of blacks killed by, unarmed blacks killed by police, and most of those, as you well know, are justifiable shootings, very few that aren't. Um, and this is where we're at. So, you know, at least the KKK didn't harm whites. I mean, it was terrible what they did. Here, BLM is even worse because not only are they, you know, just lynching whites, the BLM is causing more blacks to be killed than anyone else.
And that's the uh, story that the mainstream media will never tell. You know, we talk about this here. I have here in Cleveland. Um, last year, there were a record number of homicides in the city of Cleveland, despite the population being some 300,000 less than it was 25 years ago. And Daniel, uh, 90% of the 911 calls that come into Cleveland police dispatch asking for police. of them come from African-Americans. African-Americans know the police are their friends. African-Americans know the police are the only chance they have to survive the violent crime in African-American communities. And now BLM is, is essentially going to make it impossible for those police officers to go in and save black lives. They say black lives matter. They do not mean it. Last thought, Daniel. Well, exactly. It's like saying, why do, uh, um, you know, planes crash? (laughs) Well, because you're flying then. Uh, the very few of them crash. It's remarkably small, but you hear about every single one. And it's the same thing here. Police interactions that ultimately turn tragic or, or you know, someone gets killed, usually it's not their fault. Once in a while they make a mistake. That is a symptom of the broader problem that most of the violence is in these neighborhoods, and most of the 911 calls are by black witnesses or victims. That is why they got called down to all these situations. Um, and, and again, it's very scary what we're going to see in the future. Um, you know, again, you look at the data, police have several hundred million interactions a year with uh, civilians, and uh, overwhelmingly they work out well. Again, 64% of robberies, 58% of juvenile murders are committed by blacks. So by definition, the most volatile situations they're going to be in are going to be with black individuals. So actually, if you look at the percentage of that result in fatalities, even justifiable, is extremely, extremely small. Exactly correct. And nobody talks about that part, about the number of violent crime encounters that police have with various races. That part is never considered, which is why we have to bring it up. Daniel Horowitz, thank you, my friend. I appreciate a great job, by the way, grabbing the, the, you know, the story there with the headline. Uh, you know, I know you don't really want to abolish police, but at the end of the day, you know, you make a very strong argument as to why it might be the right thing to do to protect the rest of us. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. God bless. Daniel Horowitz, 953. Let's uh, get out and come back in on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, let's go uh, get a couple of phone calls for reaction to this uh, nonsense. Uh, Chuck is in North Ridgeville. Hi, Chuck. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning, Bob. You are on fire. Yikes. Uh, I wanted to alert you about, uh, you probably know about this. There was a five-year-old, Cannon Hinnant, C-A-N-N-O-N. Yeah, yeah, I know uh, about him. Lassner, yes. No, nobody ever says anything about it. He was murdered by his his neighbor, Darius Sessons. Now, I believe Sessons took his own life. But it highlights the hatred engendered by, by blue-shirted lefty Nazis into the black community. And nobody says anything about this five-year-old. Also, purportedly, uh, I'm still chasing down some leads here, uh, but purportedly Dinesh D'Souza outed uh, Lieutenant Michael Leroy Byrd, plainclothes uh, uh, security at the Capitol, who murdered Ashley Babbitt. 
It is it is astounding, that, and I'm glad you brought it. Thank you, Chuck, for the call. I'm glad you brought it up. It is astounding that they have gone to such great lengths to protect the name and to keep it sealed of the officer who shot an unarmed white girl, white woman, rather, 35-year-old, I think she was, Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt, for simply climbing through the window. Uh, in other words, trespassing. She wasn't assaulting anyone. She wasn't evading arrest. She wasn't escaping. She wasn't resisting. She was climbing through a window, was shot in the throat. Uh, not a word about who that officer is, no trials, no calls for justice, nothing. Why? Because Ashley Babbitt's skin is a little bit too light. You think about that. Matt in uh, Lorraine is next. Hi, Matt. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Um, almost 30 years I've been a cop, and I've still got another 10 left in me. I- I'm getting out. Out of all the, the stuff that's gone on up until now, uh, I just figured that eventually the the masses that are on the right side of things would stand up like the the other side has done and say say enough. We need the cops, we want the cops, but that hasn't happened. So a year ago when all this madness started, I had family and friends coming to me saying, What type of weapon should I have? Can you teach me how to use it? I can protect me, I can protect mine. And when cops are being vilified for doing what they're supposed to do, it's time to go. And believe me, I'm far from the only one. I know. I know. And I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how you guys do it. Uh, I, I, I could understand a guy with 20 years in who's got 10 to go before he can retire, getting out early, taking a partial pension. Pension. It's better to take less money for the rest of your life than to risk being killed or thrown in prison for doing your job. This, this officer in Columbus now is going to be threatened with prison for saving a girl's life because why didn't you just shoot her in the leg? Why didn't you de-escalate? All of these fantasy things that they think can happen in the heat of the moment in, with literally a split second to make a decision. Uh, I don't know how you guys stay in it as long as you do, to be honest with you, and I cannot believe uh, anybody, I shouldn't say I cannot believe, but I, 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 I have great respect for, but I question the wisdom of anybody who would be entering the academy right now, not with this country and the state that it's in. You know, ignorance is bliss, and these people on the left side of things are some real happy individuals, and, and the, the hypocrisy that has taken hold and, and willingly justifying these types of things, it, it's just too much. It, it's over the top, and it's time to go. Yeah. Well, I could not agree with you more. Matt, thank you for your service, my friend, and I'm sorry to hear your despondency in your voice, but I get it, I understand it, and I have empathy for you. Thank you, and for all of those who wear the uniform. All right, it's 10 one We'll get news, Dr. P-